Hi there, this is Dan Delta Collins. You're listening to Wandering DMs. Wandering DMs is broadcast live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on twitch.tv slash wanderingdms and also youtube.com slash wanderingdms. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Wandering DMs. I'm Paul. And I'm Dan. And on this uh, special episode of Wandering DMs, we're going to be I'm going to be interviewing Paul over his recent trip to TotalCon, the largest gaming convention in New England and uh, generally our first convention of the season. Uh, so uh, welcome, Paul. We'll talk about that today and a bunch of more things today on Wandering DMs. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Pleasure to be here. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, before we get into that, I just want to remind everybody that uh, after the show, there is, as usual, our uh, after-party chat, which is available to our patrons via our private Discord server. Uh, it's accessible over all levels of patronage, so if you would like to join that, please go check out patreon.com slash wanderingdms, uh, sign up, and you'll uh, get an invite to come join us. Yeah, yeah, we'll look forward to that. Um, yeah, I unfortunately won't be at the after party chat today. As some of you can probably hear, I've got a bit of a frog in my throat. Um, definitely feeling uh, feeling a little rundown post convention here, and uh, just trying to trying to muscle through. So I'll so be we, sipping my tea and uh, trying trying my best and letting the letting the drugs sink in. Um, yeah. The, exactly. uh, I, I put in a promotion that we were probably going to talk about, uh, you know, what uh, what what games we're going to play, um, how to prepare for a con. You know, we're well, you and I are very busy guys. Um, how to prepare for a con uh, when you get uh, maybe you get yanked into one with a friend at last minute, and how to prepare for that, and uh, how to hopefully avoid the dreaded con crud. And um, yeah. our first our, our first comment from the day comes from Kevin Thompson, and I think people are agreeing with this. Kevin says, "Never touch your face before washing your hands first. That's how you beat con crud." I'm going to assume that Paul is a pretty hygienic guy, so I'm going to assume Paul was doing that anyway, <laughs> and yeah. uh, missed his save nonetheless. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff going around out there these days, and um, given that it's already showing up here on Sunday, and I only went to the con on Friday, it's probably likely that I was brewing something before I even left my house. But uh, who knows? Who knows about these things? But, Hard to say. Um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It is interesting, frankly, because um, you know I I missed conventions for a long time due to the pandemic, um, and then a lot of conventions have attempted to implement various safety protocols, and some of those are now falling to the wayside, but some of them are right. hanging on. It, it is an interesting and unusual issue, I think, that is present at conventions now. I think, I mean, uh, so what I read on uh, the TotalCon website is that their current, current protocols is um, everything's entirely voluntary is that, uh, you know, yeah. people can uh, yeah. mask at their discretion. Uh, no one's allowed to, um, you know, bother anybody in either direction uh, on their choice. I did say that they had an option for game masters to um, opt for their table to be mask required, um, yep. uh, which I think was an interesting choice. How many, uh, how many tables did you see take that option? Incredibly few, I would say. I, would, I wouldn't say that masks were not present, and I saw certainly people, individuals opting in to masks, but I, don't, I can't say I ever looked around and saw a table of gamers where everyone was masked. Um, okay. I, I don't know. My, my gut says that DMs who would prefer that are probably just not showing up. I can see that. I can see that. It's clearly, um, you know, culturally here in New York, it is uh, certainly going by the wayside. I think... Um, We'll see a few more on like public transportation, like the trains a little bit more, but the majority of people are not are not doing that anymore. You know, and it's it's a reasonable choice at this point. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that that aside, uh, the other interesting angle of this convention for me that I think we're going to talk about is that um, I I uh, was late. Uh, in getting in preparing myself to go to this convention uh, so late that I had missed all of the deadlines, literally all of them. 
Uh, I missed the opportunity to sign up to run games. And um, I was late enough to the point of, of signing up to play games that most of the, pretty much all the games I wanted to play were already sold out. Uh, so I showed up with a hotel room and a badge, and that's it. So I feel that, I mean, A, first of all, I'd like to say, I just realized what you have on your shirt there, Paul. So you picked a, th you picked a thematic shirt of the, the medieval mass doctor, which I just, I just picked up on as we got off that issue. So well done. Well done, as always, yeah. Paul. Thank um, you. Thank you. I, uh, I, I will say that it was 100% intentional, and I was totally aware of what shirt I was wearing before you said that. <laughs> yeah. okay. so, so I think this, this, <laughs> well done. Uh, so I think this part of the show is uh, tips for the lazy conventioneer. Um, yeah. Well, and, uh, and I would say not just the lazy, but the new, um, because right. this is actually interesting. Yes. Uh, while I was at the convention, um, I met up with a friend of mine who um, uh, was talking to uh, a couple who I, I guess I assumed were uh, friends from outside the gaming convention circles, but maybe they're just strangers that he just met and befriended. I don't know. But the point was they were brand new never been to a convention before in their lives. I, I had just walked in and were like, this seems fun. What do we do? And, um, and, and I happened to be walking down the hall as he was standing there talking to them. And he said, oh, this is great. Paul comes to this thing all the time. I've, I haven't been in years and years. This is my first time back. I bet Paul has advice. And he turned to me and asked, what's your advice? <laughs> so yeah, so for, so for you know, folks who are like me uh, and maybe a little slow in signing up or folks who are brand new, I think there's, there's definitely advice for how to how to wing it right how to how to how to still have a good time when you know you don't really know what the hell you're getting yourself into i think that's a common way that people get into conventions they get wrangled by a friend probably is the most common thing to do um okay. you know i've gone to uh w once or twice i've gone to a brand new convention totally solo and alone which is uh which i think is very unusual but you know <laughs> Yeah. Always the depends. outlier, never the bride. You know, um, a lot probably depends on the size of the convention, too, because I find that conventions have very different vibes based on their size. Now, Total Con is probably one of the biggest ones here in New England, but is still capping out in the low thousands, maybe one to 2,000 attendees, I would say, at a rough guess. Um, and then, on the other hand, you have stuff like PAX or Gen Con or Origins, where you're talking about tens of thousands, right? I think Gen Con is well above 60,000 at this point. Um, PAX Unplugged is probably similar uh, in size. Um, I don't know that there's a lot between them. I know, I, I feel like I heard a few years back that Gary Khan had numbers close to, say, 8,000, which is maybe puts it kind of in the middle of that pack. Mm -hmm. But I think much more likely you're going to see 1,000 or less. There's plenty of those kinds of conventions that are, you know, maybe measuring in the hundreds to, to very low thousands. And then there's your giant packs and gen cons which are you know massive i guess i guess since my experience recently was with total con we should talk about conventions that size and and the, the major difference in my mind is just the the level of community on display right and i think that you know here's an interesting thing i saw at the convention this year that i felt like is becoming more common i saw a lot of groups who uh were existing role play groups who play online regularly and were using the convention as a method to all get together in physical space and have a kind of reunion of sorts of, oh my gosh, we're gonna actually all play together in real life. Wow, I mean, of course. And I also never thought of that ever before. What, a, what, a, yeah. what, a, what an amazing phenomenon. Wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I saw multiple groups doing that. And I was like, that's, yeah, there you go. And I get that vibe generally from TotalCon and other conventions of that size around here, especially after you've gone many years, you start to meet people and know people and it becomes this kind of community experience, right? It's, it's as much about the gaming as it is about hanging out out of the bar after. Yes. Right. Yeah. How did, how did that work? I mean, when you saw people doing that, that were playing predominantly online and getting like one opportunity to see them, how did it go? Because, you know, in my, in my life, I've had, you know, one or two or three, friends that were online friends and like online we were like really tight <laughs> and we had great uh chemistry i'd say by emails and text 
And then at maybe like half the time when we got together in person, it was very awkward. <laughs> oh, interesting. And, and it's kind of embarrassing to say that, but it was like, now we don't know how to actually deal with each other in person. So and how did that look like that actually went? I mean, from my perspective, it looked like it went very well. Uh, but I would say that the uh, there's a common thread of all the groups I saw doing it, which was that most of them were playing online, not because that's how they met, but because that's how they were forced to evolve, whether that's because yeah. the pandemic came along and, and suddenly everyone has to play online, or we used to all play online together and then people started moving away. And we said, hey, we can still play together by just going online. And that, that latter, I think, is a much stronger argument for the convention reunion because now you've got people who are scattered about, right? Who can't possibly, like even dis despite whatever pandemic precautions you are or are not talking, uh, taking, um, you know, it's just, it's just physically impossible for us to get together uh, on a weeknight because somebody lives in New York and somebody lives in Massachusetts and somebody lives in, you know, Florida or whatever. Right. Just Definitely. scattered. Definitely. My, my alternate week uh, gaming group on Friday is totally in that exact situation of one or two or people that are distant and kind of like to get together once, but then that would leave out the person that dials in. So yeah, we kind of have exactly yeah. that issue. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, I saw plenty of that and that all seemed to go very well. And it's just amusing to see that happen, right? Because it's like the convention is almost irrelevant at that point. It's just an excuse. It's an excuse for those people to be there. But they, actually, that brings, sorry, this is getting very rambly, Dan. But I was <laughs> talking to somebody about what the value of conventions are. And they were saying that one of their favorite things about conventions, going to conven gaming conventions, is the, the vibe. The feeling that all the people have arrived here to set aside their other lives, to set aside all the stresses and all the daily routines and everything else and just focus on play. I'm here to play, right? I'm here to play, and I'm promoting that and prioritizing that above everything else. I'm putting all the rest of life on hold, and I'm going to prioritize the next two or three days on play. And that's that's deep. That's really deep, yeah, right? You... <laughs> Give me some of that. Well, <laughs> well you know. Uh... So here's a funny thing that I see at conventions, like I said, especially I the smaller that. ones, right, where there is this community aspect to it, right? Like I said, at, at Total Con, the gaming times, right, they break it up into, into specific blocks of time. So you have your morning games from 8 to noon, and you have like an afternoon game from like 1 to 5. You have an evening game from, say, 7 to 11. And that's, those are four-hour blocks, which you need for an RPG. Maybe those get broken in half for two two-hour blocks if you're playing board games or something lighter, something faster. Um, but still, the gaming gaming ends at 11, and then, you know, you're in a hotel, and there's a hotel bar, so people go and hang out there, right? And the interesting thing about the social aspect of a gaming convention is that there's an immediate topic, right? A very present topic. It's very easy to have, like, like you don't have to fall into, like, really painfully bad um, small talk, because you can just, and, and I see many conversations just ignited with, what'd you play today? What are you playing tomorrow? What are you looking forward to right. next? Right. And just, and then it just, boom, it just goes from there. And every, like, everyone has that context. Everyone has that. We are here to game. We've been gaming. Let's talk about gaming. Fantastic. Fantastic. I'm going to answer, let me answer a question that Joshua uh, threw in the chat here a minute ago. Uh, so Joshua's asking with, with my little experience, uh, are you, am, am I saying awkward just at first or ongoing? Because I've had friendships where we just haven't seen each other for a while and it starts out awkward and then maybe it gets better in the in-person interaction. And, and I'll say, Josh, that, uh, you know, both. My sample size is small, but I've had both. I've had, I've had at least one person that I was very confused by really how bright we, we were in emails. We were just like really riffing on each other. And then in person, we were like, hey, mm -hmm. You know, so it's 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 one or two data points. It's not many data points. I, possibly some viewer. Possibly I've met some viewers of the show right now, and hopefully I hopefully I, I was um, uh, uh, sufficiently hospitable when I meet folks in person because I feel I feel I feel bad if I'm if I'm weird. Let me, I want to, I want to talk a little bit about that, the, the, the thrust of the topic that we've been hinting at that we haven't really gotten to here, right? Which is like, we talked a lot of, 
or we, we opened talking about like how do you make the most out of a convention when you come unplanned. Um, so there's a lot of different things, right? So there's um, well, let me talk about like the the couple that I talked to, and they said we're here, we have no idea what we're doing. What, what do we do? And and so the first thing I asked them was like, well, what do you what do you like? What are you here for? Right? Because there's a lot of stuff at conventions. Do you like board games? Do you like role playing games? Do you like competitive stuff? Do you you know, are you looking to be yes. exposed to new games you've never played before? Are you looking to connect with new people? Like, what is it you want out of out of out of your convention? And maybe you don't know. Maybe you hadn't really thought about this stuff. So here are some things that are available. Most conventions, I don't know that people realize this, but most conventions that I go to, and certainly anything organized by tabletop events, because they have a whole feature around this, have what they call a board game library. And I've seen this at PAX and Total and uh, Rising Phoenix and um, a whole bunch of conventions. Um, which is basically to say there's a there's a there's a huge shelves full of all kinds of different board games and anyone can go up at any time and show their badge and they get a little scan and they say you know they they scan your badge and they scan the little code on the game and you can take you can borrow a game right it's totally free it's all it's library like borrow any game off the shelf sit down and play it so if you're there with a couple of friends and you got I even did this I used the board game library when I was there because I had a, an, another couple of friends who also hadn't filled their schedule or had spare time. I did it in the morning, frankly, on, um, I think on is it Friday morning, Saturday, anyway, it doesn't matter. I did it in the morning in a time when I don't like to get up for that 8 a.m. time slot. That's a little early for me, especially when I'm, you know, out past midnight, hanging out, socializing the night before. Um, but like the next game slot doesn't start till one. So often I find I have this chunk of time from like, I don't know, 10 to noon where I'm like, eh, what do I do? Um, so, um, yeah, so got together with a couple of friends and just went and like checked out a game from, from the board game library and sat down and played a game for a little bit. It's a nice, nice option. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that exists. Uh, there's usually an exhibit hall, right? Where dealers are and they're selling stuff, but that's, you know, you can browse around there and it's, you know, more stuff than you're going to get at any individual game store because, there's many of them, and they're selling all kinds of interesting stuff. So that that can be entertaining. Um, and then and then there's you know the actual scheduled games, um, which again, if you didn't pre-plan, it's highly likely that all the games you would want to play are full. Right? You probably already missed out. Um, that is definitely an issue at conventions. But I would say that doesn't mean don't go to them. Um, one, one of the things I did is, um, you know, go to a table at a time where the schedule says this game is running and just ask the GM, do you have space? Um, usually there's some mechanic there for them to let you into the game if there's room. Now, there might not be, so you got to be prepared for having to walk away, but, um, but there might be room. Um, and and another, here's another tactic. Another interesting thing I did is I brought with me several games that were easy to play on the fly. Right, I had a couple board games, a couple light RPGs. I brought um, um, uh, Cheat Your Own Adventure. I brought Fiasco. Um, I brought um, uh, <clears throat> is, is some other. Oh, I brought uh, I brought uh, Jason Morningstar's new game Desperation, which are all nice, easy games that um, I don't require a lot of prep from me, but I can still facilitate them running. Um, and they're also uh, easy to kind of accordion the number of people at the table, um, right? Both, both Cheat Your Own Adventure and Desperation, play with two people or six people, no big deal. And the interesting thing is I had those, you know, kind of in my pocket. That's another nice thing, especially if they're small and fit in your bag, right? Easy to chuck in your bag. So I was there and I would show up to a game that I'm like, I want to fall into this game. I hope there's extra space. But in some cases, those games are so popular, I'm not the only one trying to do that. And so maybe you show up at a table, and for the six spaces at the table, there's 10 people showing up. And then I can offer, well, I can take, you know, the the group of folks, you know, the extras, hey, everyone who's also, there's no room for, let's go sit at another table and play something else. I know that you've had, you know, good, good success with that. I've, I've seen you have success with that mm -hmm. at, at other conventions in the past, which is, I guess, to me, impressive, I guess. Um, uh, did they, I mean, some cons have uh, flagging implements for games that can Oops. accept additional yep. players. Remind yep. me if they do that yeah, at Little yes. Con? 
They do. I don't know how well it's used, right? They do have these little stands you can put at your table that have like a green sign that says looking for players or a red sign that says table full. Um, so in theory, you can go around and look for those. I would say they're more used in board gaming events than RPGs. Okay. Um, I think there's plenty of people that sit down to run their RPGs and don't even notice the little flag thing. And Right. I, I feel it's one of those things where the, every single DM needs to know about it uh, in order to make use of it. And it's kind of scattershot how many, how many uh, game runners are aware of what yeah. that's for. I think as the person showing up with that, um, you know, without anything going on, I, I, I guess you have to show up in sort of this mindset of like not being married to anything, right? Because mm-hmm. good chance you're not going to get into this game. Um, don't, don't panic. Right. Prioritize the one you want to play. Have some backup things ready to go. Um, you know, I guess it's it's, it's interest. It's important to point out for folks who are not used to going to conventions that most conventions also have what they call open gaming tables, which is to say, just um, empty tables that are not assigned to any game that anyone can just sit down and use for whatever they want. So that usually exists, and that is important for stuff like oh, I've got um, you know. The three of us are, you know, there was a point where I had uh, actually four of us who had all showed up to a table of fiasco that were above the number of people the game could take. And so we walked off and we played a board game at an open gaming table. Great. Cool. Yeah. So. Now, at those um, open gaming tables, I mean, what license do they use nowadays? Are they, are they using the OGL or Creative <laughs> Commons or Orc or something else? So. Uh, Completely, uh, completely Wild West, Dan. It's no, oh, really? no documentation okay. whatsoever. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. Wow. Okay. Well, the yeah. lawyers yeah. must be having a day. Buyer uh, no. beware. <laughs> so, how is? The, uh, how, go ahead. Yeah. Um, I would say also. Here's another point of advice: is is go to the registration table, talk to the people there. Um, Talk, talk to the people you're meeting, right? Even if, you're, if you land in a game, ask people, what else are you playing? Try to find out what, what other things are going to have open space because there are some games that are just um, very easily will take more people. For example, on both Friday night and Saturday night in the miniatures room of Total Con, there is a big Car Wars game and it right. always has room. I've never seen anyone get turned away from that game. It, it, I've, seen, I've seen 25 people play that game. I think I played that game on Friday night and there was maybe 12 of us and they could have eight more people could have showed up and it would have been fine. Nice. Which is not something you can say about like a lot of games, right? (laughs) Eight more people can't show up to a table of fiasco and be like, yeah, sure. Let's all play. Right. It's not going to work. But um, the only reason that, that you're going to know about that stuff though, know which games are like that, I think is to ask around and and you'll get people to, tell you oh yeah oh there's there's a car wars game you can drop that no problem you know just right just uh, coincidentally i was on a gaming forum the other day uh a miniatures forum actually getting advice about lead rot and stuff and uh the little uh, sidebar was like interesting stories uh, that are also happening at the moment and someone had a photo of you know like a couple matchbox hot wheels cars with the caption uh took a photo from a large game about miniature fighting cars. And I'm like, do you mean Car Wars? Because I feel like you ought to know what that is. I could be biased, but I'm like, that is a really classic game. And it's like, oh, some sort of game where you use cars and it's like they're fighting for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There's there's stuff like that. I, I know that um, last last night, um, so the other thing, the other thing I, I, I do, sorry, it's a bit of a tangent, but the other thing I, I'll do is I did like as a GM, I will bring an RPG that I'm ready to run on the off chance that I can gather enough folks. And then maybe that's a thing you want to do kind of earmark for later in the convention. So you can talk to people as you're going right in the earlier uh-huh. part of the convention. You can say, Hey, are you doing anything Saturday night? I have a game I could run with space if you're interested, right? You can kind of you know, accrue people and get people to buy in so that you have something, you know, for later in the con. And I, I wouldn't do too much of that because it takes a lot of prep to to prepare a convention game and you have to be prepared for like, it's not going to happen, right? <laughs> be, be prepared for it's not going to happen. So bring something 
that's easy and that you're not going to be disappointed if it doesn't work. But so I did that. And so I went to the open gaming space on, on Saturday night to run this RPG for, for four people. And a massive amount of the space was taken up and they had completely cleared the tables and were like laid out on the floor, this giant chariot racing game, which I guess has been going on in TotalCon for years and years and years. Yes. And they do it over and over again. I have no idea what the hell that is. They were having a great time. They were, they were pretty loud. Uh, and they're like laying on the floor, moving around these chariots and stuff. And I'm like, that looks awesome. I see There's a lot a of promotions maybe. around TotalCon for, for a game. I believe it's called Carpe Diem I, is, is my yeah. stab at it. Because if I look online, there's like a surprising amount of Carpe Diem stuff tagged TotalCon. Uh, someone feel free to correct me if I'm totally wrong about that impression. <clears throat> I like that, though. It reminds me of when we were, uh, when, when you and I both went to GaryCon and uh up until that point mike carr was still running a giant don't give up the ship game um in his bare feet on a huge section of the floor wandering around moving around 24 players different ships according to their commands um yeah. so I, I i as as folks know i'm a i like a, a miniature wargaming experience um so that's that's totally the kind of thing that would attract me as well and that you need, you kind of need a convention to get that many people, right? I mean, I actually like, I'm one of the fairly few people that actually like, I mean, our, you know, our, our viewer Julian is in the same camp, but uh, aside from, aside from Julian and me, uh, I'm one of the few people that actually like running games for a dozen people or 20 people, um, if I can pull it off. And you kind of have to be at a convention in order to get that many people together. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like I said, I think, um, you know, part of that is just needing the, the you know, density of, of gamers. But part of that is relying on the fact that, uh, again, you've got people showing up with this mentality of play, right? And you've got people showing up who either didn't plan or their plans fell through. That happens too. Games get canceled. There was, I think, a comment in the chat about somebody uh, listening to our show right now because their game got canceled. Sorry. Sorry, friend. Yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, evil scientist. Glad you could make it today. Thanks for joining <laughs> yeah. in. Um, yeah. And let me, happened, uh, right? Yes, totally. Totally. And let me just touch on a question uh, from Adam here in the chat. So Adam Dravian's asking, have either of you actually played Don't Give Up the Ship, which is uh, the... Uh, uh, civil the Napoleon Civil War type era um, fighting ship game that's credited to Mike Carr and Gary Gygax and Dave Arneson, which was the first game they worked together on. So, Adam, I've I've played it exactly once at Gary Con with Mike Carr running it, and uh, partly I wish that I have uh, had had more of a chance to to play it. Um, uh, I, I, I apparently I came in with an unconventional strategy because uh, Mike uh, commented on it at some point. And it was a you know it was a it was a neat um, it was a neat event because there was a lot of people uh, hanging around and uh, just coincidentally Mike Mornard, um, who's a uh, one of the first people to ever play D and D was in the game and uh, John Peterson was hanging around so at some point I was just having a chat with uh, uh, Mike and John and some other people when uh, when Mike Carr called me over to my turn I had to grab my clipboard and run back so it was it was a I have really fond memories of. All the times I played Don't Give Up the Ship, which is once. <laughs> <laughs> I would say games like that, too, the big, uh, big games that require a lot of people, whether it's that or, you know, the, 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 even the, the, the RPG that Bill Webb ran at Gary Khan that you and I played in, Dan, um, we got into one of those games intentionally and fell into the second one just because, just because we went yeah. and they were talking about it. And they're like, yep, we're doing this again tomorrow. You could come by. And we were like, I guess we're doing that, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're doing now. <laughs> so there's there's a fair amount of stuff like that that happens on the fly. I would say a lot of those games, you know, whether it's Car Wars or or the, or the chariot racing game or or Don't Give Up the Ship, they they kind of become traditions, right? Like they, I feel like a lot of conventions have these games where it's a big game. It's very open to people dropping in, and you need right, like you said, you, it can only really be pulled off at a convention, and when they're successful. They become traditions and they start becoming a thing that happens year after year after year at the convention. Um, and that's great because that means people will remember this stuff. And so if you're brand new or if you're trying to run, you're trying to enjoy a convention on the fly, ask around about those things. What are the big traditional, what are the games that are run every year, yes. right? What game is run every year here? 
um, and you'll immediately get those those games. I like that advice a lot because actually those those there there are frequently a number of uh, flagship games at conventions um, that kind of give the flavor for that particular con, and that's actually a really good way if you're going to a con for the first time is you know get get into some of those possibly big flagship games actually and kind of get a sense for the con. That's actually really good advice. Yeah, okay. yeah. And there's and it's not always games. Um, I'm thinking about having gone to Gen Con year after year, and one of the things I fell mm -hmm. into that I really enjoyed was the auction. There's an auction at Gen Con, and, and that that's super fun, I found. Especially, there's there's one set, I can't remember, they, they organize the auction sort of by type of game, and there's one there's one part of the auction that is like all the weird stuff. I can't remember what they call it. Right, but it's the category that is all the stuff that doesn't fit into another category, right? So it's not RPGs, it's not board games, it's not miniatures, it's like the other weird stuff, and it's super fun. It's very entertaining to watch some of the weird things that can't go into one of those categories show up at a at a gaming convention auction. Give me an example. Give me two. Give me two examples. Oh, jeez. Oh man. <laughs> Yeah, you're really you're killing me. Killing me. I don't know if I remember. Uh, it's been a long time since I yeah. since I was at one of these things. Um, but I don't know. I feel like there was there's there's like custom artwork. I remember somebody donated a bunch of like custom play mats for um, I don't know, maybe a maybe a it's like an artist had made a bunch of custom play mats maybe for magic or something like that. Had a lot of like just gorgeous interesting artwork. And then there's also like maybe um, some esoteric, bizarro toy from the 80s that's very, you know, like super old, like came out of somebody's dusty basement. That's like, is this a game? I mean, maybe technically it's certainly weird and nostalgic and strange, but um, yeah, stuff like that. So just kind of weird nice. toys and, and nice. yeah. Yeah, that's, this is my uh, my memories are so hazy on this because you're talking about something that happened maybe uh, at least ten years ago. <laughs> so. I, I certainly remember because yeah. we also went to the auction at uh, the charity auction at GaryCon, and I was I I don't I don't think I would have picked that myself, but it was like surprisingly interesting to see who was there donating stuff and what it was was yeah. actually a surprisingly interesting experience. Um, so I do agree with that. Something that I wouldn't have thought of going to a con the first time, but it's, you're kind of in a central place and there might be some of the, you know, important personalities of the con uh, showing up there. So yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 So I don't know. I think that's, I think that stuff is fun. Yeah. Definitely look for the, for the traditions. Ask, ask what the traditions of the con are. Yeah. Be prepared. I guess yeah, the, 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 I feel like the underlying theme I'm, I'm getting at here is be prepared to tr pretend to be an extrovert if you're not one already. <laughs> right? Because <laughs> right? you have to. You have to talk to folks and find out what's going on. That's, that's, uh. Okay. So I'm going to pull on a thread. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to segue yeah. off yeah. that yeah. really key advice. Uh, and I'm going to pick on a thread that uh, our friend Hobo Ogre threw in the chat a little while back. So Hobo Ogre was saying um, to avoid such awkwardness, um, people you're meeting in person for the first time. When I go, I have to wear a button. Caution, I'm a hugger. Let's just let's just talk for a minute about hugging protocols. OK, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm not right. So I, I'm not naturally. I don't know. Uh, I have large personal space normally, right? Historically. So as I, you know, became an adult and became involved in, I don't know, creative projects, I trained myself to be a hugger. I that was not my that was not my normal thing, but I actually trained myself to be a hugger and be like, yeah, this is how I'm interacting with people. This is great. It's showing people I'm I'm happy to be them with them, and I totally am. So I want to, you know, communicate my honest feelings. And I trained myself to be a hugger. And I'm talking about this is like a 20 year arc. I'm talking about great. And then, you know, time goes on, and then it becomes socially more important uh, to be cognizant of people's consent to being hugged. And I actually had to start ramping it in the other direction. And, you know, ask people, like, is it okay, you know, is it okay for me to hug you or something like that? 
Um, and I've so over the over the course of my history, I've had to I've had to throw that dial in both directions, uh, you know, trying to communicate my honest, honestly warm feelings when I get to hang out with somebody and also their their comfort level um, with that kind of thing. So what is the if what, what is the current hugging protocol these days, Paul? And, and I, don't, I don't even know what's happened like pre-COVID, post-COVID. So that's a whole separate thing. So I mean, what should know, I be doing now, in Paul? Consent's important and have a backup plan, I guess, right? Like if you're not a hugger or, um, you know, which is totally reasonable, um, you know, have a backup. Like if somebody says, hey, would you like a hug? He's fine with like, no, thanks. How about a fist bump, right? How about an elbow? Whatever. You know, <laughs> some, you know, or just say no thanks and uh, be okay with that. I guess I don't know. Um, is <laughs> so Adam is asking: Is hugging common at conventions? Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know if hugging is common at conventions or if hugging is simply common in the circles I travel in. I am definitely a hugger, and I know uh, I've been going to this convention year after year, and uh, the people that I associate with many of them are huggers. So there's lots of hugging in my convention experience. I, I don't know that that's, I don't know that's really associated with the convention. That might just be the people involved. So certainly like if you, if you were going to your con for the first time, whichever way you personally feel about that, feel free because it's not like, it's not like there's a lot of unforced, a, a, a lot of, you know, un, undesired hugging going on at the same time. Um, so people are, you know, generally very, uh, you know, polite and try to be uh, respectful of other people's boundaries, certainly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, you know what else? Here's OK. So more more advice for going to a convention unprepared. Sorry, uh, I don't know. This has nothing to do with hugging, but <laughs> but do exchange information, especially if you had a good time. Had a good time at the table okay. with someone. Exchange information. Look for so you can look for them at future games. Okay, Paul. Uh, in the past, right, has cards. He he comes prepared with contact. You actually, have cards. one here right in my pocket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, okay. I was and focus on this. Yeah. There you go. Ah, see that. And the first, I didn't know about this in advance, <laughs> but I was with Paul at a convention, played a great game. Like, that was great. And I feel so great about the people around me. And Paul whips out his cards and goes, it was great to play with you. It was great to play with you. It was great to play with you. And I'm like, oh, F me. That's brilliant. <laughs> I was like, you got to be crapping me. That's amazing. Yeah. Or what? I mean, it doesn't have to be right? cards. And cards right? is a little bit of an old school thing, right? And we're all worried about physical objects being passed around and touching and whatnot. But like, I don't know. Um, I, I don't want to advise anyone to be like, give out your phone number to text, right? Because maybe that's weird, but there's so many messaging apps and whatnot out there these days. Like have a, have a, a way, think, think about, think about what works for you. Have a way to, to trade information with someone um, and, and do it, do it if you can. Um, because, I think yeah, the car, it, I mean, I, I will still if nothing else, let me say this. Yeah. Yeah. I like the card thing. I still I still carry them around. I don't think I gave out any this weekend, but um I would say this, especially like if you're a player, if you're going strictly to play and you sit down at a game and the GM was awesome, write their name down. Write it down. Mm -hmm. So that then you can go back and look at the schedule and find out what else is that person writing running. Or next year if you come again or you go to another convention, you can look for that person. Keep a list of GMs you think are great who go to conventions. And that's that's a great way. That's frankly how I, when I am scheduling a con, when I'm actually on top of things and remember to sign up for games before the deadline, uh, that's usually my first go-to is to look for games run by people who I know are good. I'm, I, I will always say that the best, when, when a GM asks me, what, what should I run? I say, whatever you want, because the best game is the one that the GM is excited about. So if you know a, a GM is great, if I know a GM is great, I want to play in their game, regardless of what they're running. Interesting. Interesting. I will still praise the the cards because the physical cards, because um, and, and at least the way that I saw Paul use them in the past was 
the game's wrapping up, right? People, you're in this state where people are getting up from the table and about to walk out of the room, and they've their hands are full and they're packing stuff, and the the transaction is is very fast, right? It's just like here's the thing; yeah. it's in the stack of the rest of your papers, right? It's not taking any extra time. You don't have to mutually get your phones out and give me your phone number and ping and confirm that or anything like that. It's it's a it's a it's a zero time transaction you don't have to depend on somebody else's phone device platform whatever it's just like you figure out you know if you want to get in touch with me you figure this out you figure this out later um so i thought uh, and you're waiting until the end of the game you're not doing it at the start and giving contact information to a total bunch of randos you're seeing if you have good chemistry with somebody before yeah. you hand it, out your contact info the the downside to it is that it's unidirectional, right? You're not you're not taking any information back. So I could hand out my card to six people at a con at a con game, and they all leave. And am I going to hear from any of them? I don't know. Completely out of my control at that point. So. It's true. I feel I I have I guess I've had this conversation with you and also Isabel in the past about that actually, um, and I'm like, I don't know. I guess in some moral sense, I'm like. You know they have to make the choice i want i don't i mean they probably weren't thinking about this before now and i kind of actually want them to have the choice um mm -hmm. i guess i, I bet isabel's pushed me to be more get their contact info but i'm i'm comfortable with that i'm comfortable with that protocol it's certainly better than nothing yeah i'll say that it's yeah. certainly better than just I walk away and hope maybe i bump into you again because and, and the funny thing too is at a convention even just day to day, like you're you're going to bump into a lot of people and are you going to recognize them again later? Are you going to remember their name? I mean, most of us are wearing badges with our name on it, but still, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, I think it's, 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 I guess just be prepared for it. Think about it critically. Think about what you're comfortable with. Again, my, my card has all it has on it is a URL and a, and an email address, which is one that I don't mind giving to people, right? It's a bit more public than, 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 uh, <clears throat> You know, I'm not giving anyone my cell phone number. I'm not giving anyone my personal email address. It's all, it's actually all my uh, stuff that can be found on my blog very easily. Yeah. Uh, two interesting comments. So um, uh, WL Denning here in the chat is saying at ReaperCon, which is not something I've been to, ReaperCon, there's a big ribbon culture that people make them and you can stick them on your badge, um, mm -hmm. which is interest, really, really interesting um, uh, tradition for that. And uh, Josh had one uh, edit to Paul's uh, cards there. Hopefully I can get this up. Uh, Josh, you're saying uh, on your card, Paul, you should have a space to write it was rolls a d20. Nice to play with you. <laughs> the thing is, if it was a one, you don't get a card. So, you know. <laughs> you're, I, I assume you're fudging it. I assume that... <laughs> I, I assume the DM is fudging that particular role. Also, one yeah. D twenty. What kind of new school woke uh, <laughs> mechanic is that? It should be two D six, like an original D and D. Jeez, I don't know what's happening. Can't believe I actually just said that. No, <laughs> I apologize for saying that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, Thank you. Evil scientist is like, agreeing with me on that. Definitely, it should yeah, be two d six. Yeah, yeah. It was a roll again time with you. It was a. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a neutral time. It was hostile. Hostile game with you. <laughs> oh goodness! Oh goodness! <laughs> <laughs> that is some funny mm. stuff. Um, yeah. oh, good yeah. Lord. Um, <laughs> uh, let me let me let me just say that in the last. So I did not. I've gone to TotalCon uh, in the past with Paul. Um, I didn't uh, for kind of work time purposes. I didn't get an opportunity to do that this this week. <laughs> I should point out that I tried to, for those of uh, for, for viewers that have been waiting for me to get back to the Elder Time stream and play more Pool of Radiance, um, I tried to do that Thursday night and had a technical problem that barred me from doing that. And, uh, you know, software, 
Software systems nowadays are surprisingly unpredictable because I was playing Pool of Radiance on the Steam network, and, and Pool of Radiance has been on Steam for about a year at this point, dependably, reliably, you know, week after week um, up until the end of December. And uh, and I even played it, you know, I've actually played a little bit of practice uh, offline uh, about a month ago. And I get on Thursday night and the, the Steam will not start up uh, Pool of Radiance or any of the Gold Box games. Um, Weird. So I, I had, yeah, so I had to cancel it on Thursday and it took me an, about an hour of debugging to realize that I had to change my graphic settings on Steam. So uh, planning on uh, uh, being back for that uh, a week from Thursday, it should be March 9th for folks that are waiting for that. So it's currently running. I don't know what's happening with uh, modern operating systems that change all my settings around. Uh, I did not change anything. So apologize, apologies for anybody that was waiting for that on Thursday. We will be we will be back with that in the future. <laughs> and I will say last week, Paul, in um, in our discussion of the, the history of uh, Wizards, uh, you know, digital D&D software stuff, you were mentioning the gold box DMs assistance, which is called Unlimited Adventures. Is that the, did I get their name right? I thought it was just called DMs assistant. Oh, really? Okay. All right. So for what it's worth in the package, in the gold box package on Steam, you get Pool of Radiance and Hills of Ilfar and Curse of the Azure Bonds. And there is an assistant called Unlimited Adventures that I actually have as part of that package that I hadn't started. I hadn't booted up yet. Um, so maybe I'll take a look at that and report back or what that, uh, what that particular product was like. And again, I think that like we were saying last week, I think that's clearly a product that was part of the software tooling to the gold box games. And somebody said, we could just like release this as a product itself. Um, and so maybe I yeah. should dig into that because that is not something I've used in the past. Yeah, I'll be curious to find, hear what you find out because I'm not, I'm not totally convinced it's exactly what exactly the same thing the, the thing i'm talking about it had artwork on it that looked remarkably or was just directly stolen from the, the dm's guide the first edition dm's guide to the guy in the green cloak with the big doors well uh right that would be this right the second printing and i think that's what yep. they also used that's okay. I think they, uh, they also use it for this so good. okay great great okay well I'm curious to see what you find out yeah yeah right so it's an it's an interesting product. If someone is on Steam, uh, you get you get a lot of you get a lot of stuff from uh, from those from those. There's I think there's actually two separate Gold Box collections, but between the two of them, they have everything that was ever released for AD and D under the Gold Box line. So a lot of a lot of stuff yet yet to come on uh, on Elder Times, for for instance. So Paul, it, this uh, this weekend, how many? Just give me a proportion of like how many games did you get in that were. Um, you know, pre-scheduled uh, tables that you walked up to versus games that you yourself threw together on an ad hoc basis? So I was there from Friday morning through this morning. Uh, I didn't play anything today because, of course, I wanted to get back here and do this. Um, but um, so so it was really just there for two days. I was there from all day Friday and all day Saturday to play games. And uh, I got into one, one game of a, of a pre-scheduled game where I didn't, where I just showed up and said, hey, can I join? And I did. <laughs> um, no, two, if I count Car Wars. Sorry, I wasn't counting Car Wars. I got into two. Yeah. Cool. cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then I also, like I said, I brought, it also, it also helps that, um, that I had, I knew, you know, I spent some time before going connecting with people who I knew were also going to find other people who were in a similar boat to myself, of which there were some, right? It's not zero, but I contacted other friends and found other friends who are like, are you going to Total Con? Do you have plans, et cetera? And I kind of, uh, I focused in on like, well, I'm going to bring this one. I, I brought a scenario for um, Fearful Ends that I could run. And I just contacted the other friends and I said, I'm going to try and run this Saturday night if you're available and um, managed to, you know, between that and then just networking on site, I had four players by the time Saturday night rolled around, which was, which was great. <clears throat> smart, super smart. Nice. So over about, uh, I guess, Friday, Saturday, there'd be about six, uh, six total game standard game slots. So that's a good, 
That's a, that's uh, a good job. I, 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 I didn't play six games. <laughs> um, <laughs> understood. Again, yeah, understood. Uh, and, I, you know, person, personally, um, I value a lot the the social atmosphere. So I do spend time at night after the last game, hanging out at the bar or going hanging out with friends and chatting, uh, which I really enjoy. Uh, which means I'm not getting up for the morning game. Um, I would say I played a total of five games because I did I did get in that one uh, board game through the board game library on Friday morning, but Saturday morning I I slept and I visited the exhibit hall and I did other things in the morning uh, and only played two games on Saturday. Yeah, I, that's the appropriate thing to do. I I wouldn't do any better than that. I don't think so. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that's about what you want. Yeah, well, cool. <laughs> Cool. Well, well done. And uh, I, I join in uh, several of our viewers uh, for saying thanks for getting online this morning when it was a little bit unclear about whether Paul was actually going to be able to do that. Um, yeah, so, I, I uh, certainly. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping that I've just really worn out my voice, but uh, we'll see. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll test and keep an eye on it and make sure that I'm not uh, out there infecting anyone. And apologies to anyone who went to TotalCon who hung out with me. Uh, Hope you don't get the credit. You know, so sometimes <laughs> I come away from a con, and, and all of us talk about this. And I've, I've, I'm, I feel run down. I've got the con crud. And you know, other times I feel high as a kite. Uh, mm -hmm. Frequent. Sometimes I come away from a con, and at least there's a there's a three and six chance that I feel better than any other time in my life, uh, which I believe some of the LARPer community refer to as uh, uh, post con charisma. I think. And I've a hundred percent. I have absolutely come away from cons, and at least like through Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, feel that I can look right into people's souls and know what they're thinking. It's like really creepy. Um, uh, in your in your much greater experience, what's the what's the ratio breakdown of that? Like for you, how often do you come away from a con feeling better than before versus feeling run down? I almost always feel run down. There, I have a strong, maybe maybe I'm burning the candle on both ends every time I go to the conventions. Uh, maybe because uh, again, I like to, to hang out late into the night and and socialize, and then still manage to scrape myself out of bed the next morning and 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 do more stuff. Uh, and after like two or three days of that, it's it's a lot. Uh, traditionally, in the past, I used to always take the Monday after a convention off from work just just so I could be like, I'm gonna spend a day sleeping in and doing laundry. And any other self care I can do to just to recover because I know I am going to be destroyed, which is you know, and I don't regret it. You know, I know, you know, um, for any given convention, I you, you get to go once a year. You're only going to get to have that experience so many times, right? Uh, time is limited, so uh, I don't regret spending that time. I, I super enjoy it, and. Uh, I'm willing to pay the price of maybe feeling a little run down, maybe uh, wearing down my immune system to the point where something manages to grab hold of me. Sounds well. We uh, t sounds sounds like time well spent. Sounds like sounds like resources, I so. and we have we have finite resources, <laughs> and we got to think very carefully when we ex when we expend them. And it sounds like that's a good that's a good adventure on which to expend them. Well, Dan, we are about out of time. Do you have any final thoughts on uh, unplanned, uh, making the most out of an unplanned convention? I, I appreciate your insights because between the two of us, Paul, you're very much the more the, the greater expert on going to conventions. So I've appreciated the times where you've uh, you've led the way, and I, I I I personally find your your advice very helpful when I'm planning to going uh, to a con. So. Nice. Uh, again, thanks for thanks for getting online this morning, uh, this afternoon, and um, and sharing your experiences fresh when the when the memory <laughs> is fresh from this weekend. When the memory right? is fresh, there you go. Yeah, happy to. I, I think it's super fun. I definitely recommend folks go to conventions if you've never been. Go check one out. It's it's great. Even the big ones. I know we kind of focused in on the small ones here because uh, that's what I'm just coming from. Uh, I think the big ones are worth it as well. It's a, it's a kind of a different experience. Um, it's it's. It's not my preference, but I would say it's worth going at least once just to, to witness the spectacle because it is amazing going to one of those. Um, 100%. So uh, definitely, I would say check it out. And uh, if you can do some pre-planning, not a bad idea, you know, because um, the thing is stuff changes on site anyway, 
right? They, I remember I used to go to conventions yeah. and they would they would have a booklet, a print booklet of like all the all the events that are going on. And and the convention I just went to doesn't do that anymore. And I would be surprised if more and more we see conventions pulling back from that because they're preferring online services, which can be updated because things change a lot. Some of your games are going to get canceled. Some of, you know, life happens, right? So even if you go with a great planned experience, something's probably going to change in the middle. And that's okay. Roll with the punches. Uh, be prepared to, uh, you know, have to make the most of an unexpected chunk of time off. I'm glad you told me about that, Paul, as a final thought, actually, because I would have been very uh, surprised at not having a paper catalog to a con. So actually, that's really critical advice for me to be aware of, actually. Um, and uh, and I, I totally concur. Uh, you know, I over uh, plan and over prepare. So going to cons, I have frequently made really elaborate spreadsheets of prioritizations and this and that and feed them together and then get there and something blows it up. And all of a sudden, my my, my master plan has, in fact, not survived initial contact with the convention. Um, yeah, so yeah. totally, probably, I would. I can't say I've ever been to a convention and gone through exactly the schedule that I had pre-planned. Even when mm-hmm. I planned it super carefully, something something in that is going to break or change, and it's fine. Go with it. Have a good time. Enjoy your time. Go with a <laughs> go to the convention with a priority on play, and you will have a good time. And I'll just leave uh, the last chat here from uh, from Adam saying, having never been to an RPG con, this was super informative. You know, Adam, took me a long time. I highly recommend it. You should try it. You know, go as a player one year, like Paul's saying, you know, maybe a second year. Think, you know, once you know the lay of the land, consider running your own games. And um, you, you should try it. It is a major part of gaming uh, culture. It's not for everybody, but I, you know, it's it's a good uh, it's a good thing to try out. It is, it is the birthplace of some of our activities, right? Like Gen yeah. Con pre-exists Dungeons & Dragons, right? Dungeons & Dragons mm-hmm. came about because the creators went to Gen Con. So, yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 100%. Um, and you get to experience so, those big games we were talking about that only exist. Yeah. Now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A whole bunch of stuff. Uh, if any of our viewers have uh, other thoughts, ideas about how to make the most out of a convention that you find yourself at uh, with no plans, uh, please uh, leave us a comment here in the video. I'm sure other viewers would love to hear your words of wisdom. Um, I'm curious to see them. I'm curious what, what I may have missed, and uh, maybe that'll spawn new conversations down the road. Definitely. And, uh, or maybe or maybe uh, meetups at, uh, at uh, conventions later this year. Um, and of course, remember, if you're new to uh, the Wandering DMs channel, you can like, follow, and subscribe to us. We are on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, GitHub, TikTok. We do have the handle Wandering DMs on all those sites. So please uh, follow us there and you get updates on upcoming shows. If you prefer to listen to our show in audio-only podcast format, those podcasts are available on our website at wanderingdms.com. They're also available through various podcast carriers such as Google Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher. If you're listening to the show right now on one of those sites and that site offers the ability to do so, please rate and review us on that site. That helps other users of that site find us and we really appreciate it. Yeah, we really do. And of course, uh, big thanks to our patrons who support the Wandering DMs channel. If you'd like to join them, please visit patreon.com slash wandering DMs and you'll see the couple different tiers we have at Patreon, uh, different benefits there. Uh, like Paul said at the top of the show, every single tier gives you access to our private Discord server where we continually have uh, ongoing chat. And one of our favorite parts every week is the after chat where we continue the conversation live on video there on Discord. Now, I'm making the executive decision to bench Paul for today. I think Paul needs a break so for, for his voice here. So I'm benching Paul for today, but I'll be there on the after chat in about 10 minutes. I hope that's okay, Paul. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, tea and honey is uh, on order for me for the next bit. So appreciate it. <laughs> Definitely. You know, I'll say uh, upcoming on uh, this week, uh, this Thursday, March 2nd, I think, uh, Dan Cullinan or Gamma Dan, uh, and I will be back for another session of Book of War on Thursday. And uh, I don't know what's going to happen there because uh, we've been ramping up the higher level units over the last couple of weeks, and we introduced uh, high level fighters, lords, and then dragons, and then wizards. And so as of this Thursday, for the first time, we're just going to uncork everything that I've got on the lists. So I have no idea what kinds of, you know, last week we had 
magic spells that were moving terrain around the board and uh, zapping pawns right out of existence and stuff like that. So uh, I have no idea what's going to show up on Thursday. And one of the interesting things is that, you know, and this was the point of, of live streaming that in the first place, is that we are getting to test some of the high level material in D&D that I think traditionally, classically hasn't been tested that much. And on our Discord server all in the last week, we had a wonderful conversation with everybody that's watching about ideas for refining, fine tuning, looking at those top highest level elements in classic D&D is of wizards and elementals and dragons and all kinds of stuff like that. And we've been ping ponging a lot of really great ideas for uh, fine tuning that high level stuff. And I am really, really excited about uh, those conversations on Discord at the moment and seeing what we can do uh, for the, the Book of War game on Thursday. So hopefully folks will tune in that and um, get on our Discord and um, uh, share your ideas about how to make how to make the high level D&D game as, as good as it can be. Um, anything else I'm forgetting, Paul? I think that's I think that's probably enough for this week, right? Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's plenty. Oh, cool. So we'll be back uh, next Sunday once we uh, recover and get, I'll get our voices back. Uh, don't forget that uh, we are live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So please join us again next week for another thought-provoking discussion. We'll see you then. <laughs>